Welcome to Law in the Bush, a regional, rural, remote podcast by the University of New England's Law School. Welcome to Law in the Bush. I'm Lisa Ward, your host. Today we're speaking with Associate Professor Sky Saunders. Welcome, Sky. Thank you, Lisa. It's lovely to have you. You're an Associate Professor of Law. That's such an accolade for you. What's been your journey academically and research-wise to get to this point? I began my legal career as an employment relations and discrimination lawyer. I had a particular interest in sexual harassment matters. And at the point in time when I had my first child, and we're talking now um, 15 years ago, I had the opportunity when I was on maternity leave to consider further study. And I commenced a PhD project that was very closely aligned with my heart in many ways. And I then sort of picked up work at the Australian National University and the University of Canberra and just incrementally over time realised that I had a true passion for legal education and a true passion for people and for the research that I was doing. It was fantastic to have the grounding in the context of the employment and discrimination legal practice that I'd already engaged in, and it informed my journey more holistically as a lawyer and then as a legal academic over the years. So that's where I began. I began practising the sexual harassment law that I now really enjoy researching and engaging in more generally. You've got a book out on that too, haven't you? I do. My book is called Whispers from the Bush, The Sexual Harassment of Australian Rural Women. And it was the product of what I regard as a project of the heart. So it was the product of more than 100 in-depth interviews with women and some men too around the country in very rurally isolated locations and typically also in male-dominated workplaces. I visited places like the mines and police stations and cattle stations. I visited people who were taking tour groups around Uluru, people who were working in very remote hospitals, and I interviewed them about their experiences of sexual harassment and their everyday survival mechanisms around that and all of the complexities naturally associated with sexual harassment as a problem in the particular context of rurality. And there are complexities around that too. It's fascinating for me as a law academic that you've done empirical research and that you've had to use empathy with that. Indeed. The book draws on different layers of research and research methodology. For example, the interviews that I conducted were in-depth, and by that I mean I sat down with people for two to three hours at times to really unpack some of the complexity around their experiences and how they felt about those experiences and what they did about those experiences when they happened, noting that there are so many reasons why sexual harassment in the rural space can be tricky. It can be really difficult to know what to do with because you can be concerned about small town gossip and you can be concerned about not being believed and you can be concerned about job loss in a geographical space where jobs are particularly precious and all sorts of other things come into play as well. When I spoke to people, I really wanted to understand these hidden dimensions. And more generally, what I then did was sort of break down the research and looked at the variables so that we could actually crunch some statistics around people's experiences, as well as hearing the richness of voice 
And I always regard that richness of voice as being very important. It's like a tapestry of voice that really creates a national snapshot in the literature for the first time around that experience of what it is to experience sexual harassment in the rural workplace. It's a very now type of project. You did that a while ago, but you've built on that and you're doing other stuff that's really relevant to today. That one included women. You're doing one on men as well. I am indeed. My current project of the heart is actually the, what I regard as the brother project to Whispers from the Bush. Effectively, in Whispers, I was able to listen to particularly women's voices, but also employers' voices to understand some of the nuances of that duty of care in the workplace and how it is that employers are discharging that duty of care. And so now the third lens needs to be overlaid with those former lenses. And I need to understand and really hear from men about what it is to be a man operating at the moment in the post-Me Too era, how it is that men are feeling about their engagement with women, knowing now that we have sexual harassment so firmly under the spotlight and knowing that that means that there may be particular thoughts and concerns and vulnerabilities even that men are experiencing quietly but which we haven't yet really unearthed. And I think that it's important that we do unearth those things as a natural part of balancing the scales here in the context of the conversation more fully. Well, generally people think of workplace sexual harassment or sexual harassment, people think it's being done to women, but it's not only done to women, is it? Not always. And sexual harassment is its an interesting one because increasingly we are seeing that more men are coming forward too as people who are experiencing sexual harassment, as part of the, the Boys from the Bush piece, I do want to actually hear those stories, but also just more generally to engage with men who perhaps aren't experiencing sexual harassment, but who do feel different pressures associated with this landscape, with this world that we're operating in at the moment, where sexual harassment is becoming such a, a natural feature of our everyday conversation in many ways. But it does have implications for the way that people are actually conducting themselves and having their interpersonal relationships in the workplace playing out. So I, I really am excited about this particular piece of research as a complementary piece. And I think it's important for the Australian narrative more generally that we do actually take the time to listen to the concerns of, of people as stakeholders in this conversation. And men are certainly a stakeholder in this conversation. One of the things that's been in the press quite a lot recently is about credibility. Some people have said, oh, there's very few people claim sexual harassment who it hasn't happened to. Mm. You're doing some research around that too, aren't you? I am. In fact, at the moment, I'm just bringing together the threads of some research that I conducted early last year, and I'm just putting the final touches on a paper that brings that research together. And that paper is about my engagement with women who were in the media because they had relatively high profile sexual harassment or sex discrimination complaints. And the women with whom I engaged were very much on the national stage. They were under the, the spotlight for having put their heads up and said they wished to make a complaint. Now, the research was looking to do three things. I wanted to understand from those women, firstly, what was that pivotal moment for them that was such that they decided to make the complaint? And knowing that 
for those particular women, it was going to be such that the media would be interested, given the nature of their roles in the community and given their standing in their respective occupations and professions. So what was the pivotal moment for them that really did actually propel them into that zone where they felt able to complain? Secondly, I was interested to understand what that experience of complaining was like. What was it about? What were the unknown unknowns that they discovered along the way? What were the things that surprised them about the legal processes or the support or absence of support that they did or didn't receive along the way from various key stakeholders at the end of the day? What was the experience like? Did it cost them more money than they anticipated? Did they lose their job, for example? And finally, the big ticket item that I was asking was, was it worth it? In the context of everything that's now known and everything that has since happened, whether or not those people, and some of them were, on the front page of the tabloids wearing bikinis as an attempt to diminish credibility, harking back to all of the things that happened to them along the way, was it actually worth making the complaint? And that's a really interesting question for each of those women. You're listening to Law in the Bush, a law research series about regional, rural, remote law by the University of New England. This is such cutting-edge research, Sky. What sort of things come out of this? I mean, what's the impact of this cutting-edge research? Well, I think at the end of the day, we have good law on many levels. At the moment, we're in a process on a national and state level whereby we're probably examining the good law to make sure that it's as concrete as it possibly can be. But on balance, I think that we do have good provisions pertaining to sexual harassment and vicarious liability, for example, under the Commonwealth Sex Discrimination Act. The issue, as I see it, is the translation of good law on the books to people on the ground, and particularly in rural spaces, where the invisibility of that good law is a problem. So for me, the challenge is one of a cultural dimension. It's how do we best influence and impact cultural change on the ground. And we do that by changing hearts and minds. We do that by really reaching people at the level of education and understanding, for example, what sexual harassment is, what it's not, demystifying all of those things around sexual harassment, but also helping people to really understand the impact of sexual harassment when it does occur and why it is that we have these laws and how it is that people can actually have one another's best interests at heart. And I believe that UNE is going to set up a clinic Mm, around this. Indeed. The moment what we're doing is working on a pilot project, which I'm very excited and passionate about. And the, the idea will be that we will run a clinic through UNE Law School that will enable students to assist legal practitioners to provide a service to the community to engage with women, for example, who may wish to have a a safe place to come and discuss sexual harassment matters as they occur in their workplace and to receive simple basic legal advice around options and things that they can do to feel more confident and more competent and more able to operate in their workplace moving forward, particularly for women who really need that service in very rural and remote places for the reasons that I spoke to before, because there are very, very complex issues around sexual harassment where it's not only a behaviour that hurts, but where it's a behaviour that actually hurts privately in a space where support doesn't come naturally and doesn't flow naturally. And we need to fix that. We really need to be providing support better. And that's what this clinic's about. 
it's very timely to have a clinic like that to fill a space that needed to be filled. I mean, the community needs that. Now, this also feeds into a unit. Indeed, Lisa, it does. I'm very excited to be putting the final touches on a new unit for UNE Law School called Gender in the Law. And as part of the unit that I will be coordinating, we will have an opportunity to unpack some of these issues in a really practical way. We'll have an opportunity to further the research that I've been speaking to and to do some really exciting things in the context of devising future projects getting our students to to be a part of that and to really embrace the opportunity at UNE Law School to align our values together. The Gender in the Law unit, I'm hoping, will be a real hub, a real place where we can feel creative and we can feel able to engage together and we can feel able to roll up our sleeves and do some tangible things. It's wonderful. I hope that our students love that. I'd like to do it if I was doing another law degree. Sky, all of this means that you have opportunities offered to you to affect change across all of Australia. You were appointed to a commission. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, I was so fortunate because with the YWCA Australia, I was selected to be part of a delegation in 2018, 2019 and 2020, in fact, to the United Nations in New York for the Commission on the Status of Women. And in 2019, not only did I attend and participate as part of that delegation, but I also presented in a parallel session my Grace Under Fire project, which was a documentary film that I collaborated with the Victorian Women's Trust to produce. And that film was all about situating visually and in an exciting documentary format the research that I'd undertaken as part of the Whispers from the Bush project. So we were very, very fortunate to have the United Nations Forum to actually present that to the world. So that was a particularly exciting moment in my journey thus far. It's a wonderful accolade to be invited to speak at the United Nations. There's not many people who get that opportunity. Thank you for doing that. Sky, I heard that you were appointed by the ACT government to another board. Can yes. you tell us about that? Thank you, Lisa. I have actually been a member of the ACT Advisory Council for Women for the ACT government for two years now, and I was recently overjoyed to be reappointed to that body. That is a really fantastic opportunity as well to really make tangible some of the passions that I have in the context of research and education in gender and law and translate that for the purpose of actually informing legislation and influencing that process for the minister. So that's been a wonderful development just recently too. So thank you. Wow. So many (laughs) accolades. A real mover and shaker. Thank you, Lisa. I'd like to get some links from you and we'll put a link up to your book and to your research if people would like to get in contact with you. We'll also put a link up to your consultancy page so people would like to speak to you about perhaps engaging you to come and speak to their organisations about your research or how you can help their company. That would be wonderful. Thank you. I would love that. (laughs) Thank you for being with us, Sky. Thanks so much, Lisa. Thanks for listening. We want to hear from you. Please fill out our survey in the link below.